0: Here in Revelation chapter three, if you'll turn there in your Bibles. And uh, I know Carlos did a great job last week on Thyatira. But we're gonna take a look here tonight at uh, the Church of Sardis in chapter three. And uh, almost all the way through the churches and uh, what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. And let's pray together. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name tonight, that by the power of your spirit you would speak to us here what it is through the church of Sardis you're speaking into our lives. Let us hear what your spirit is saying to the church this night we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. Well, to the church of Sardis. Now, thus far, let's remember the church of Ephesus was the church that left their first love. The church of Smyrna, the persecuted church. And then the third church, the church of Pergamos, the compromising church. And then the church of Thyatira, the immoral church. And tonight we're gonna look at the church of Sardis, the church that's not ready for the Lord's return. And again, I just love the heart of Mary as we looked at before. And I think that's how we need to come here. In Luke chapter one, verse 38. And Mary said to the angel, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I just think that's the heart we need to have. Lord, as we look at the church of Sardis tonight, let it be unto me according to your word. Whatever it is that, that from this aspect of the church of Sardis, you wanna speak into my life, I wanna hear what it is you're saying. Well, looking at those first six verses of Revelation 3, let's read that. And it says, And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your words perfect, your works perfect before God. Therefore, remember how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defied their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy." He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The city of Sardis is about um, 50 miles east of Smyrna and about 30 miles north of Thyatira. And um, again, it was just a beautiful, masterful city. Probably its claim to fame was the temple to Artemis. The Greeks called Artemis, the Romans called Diana. And this particular temple, to give you an idea how big it was, was twice the size of the Pantheon. And remember, Diana or Artemis is the daughter of Zeus, the twin of Apollo. And uh, she was the goddess of hunting, the moon, and mainly fertility. And uh, again, this was the unbelievably wicked religion that was dominating the society at this time. And remember, Paul um, had some people that used to make the statues of Diana and put them out of business by leading the leading the multitudes to Christ and they chase Paul down to the end of his life causing great harm upon him they'd also had a giant gymnasium complex five acres in size and uh, a giant area for exercising and a giant bathhouse area and pools and so forth and also they had this this is the synagogue or this is actually the 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 gymnasium here, and also they had a large synagogue of of Jews also there. Well, in chapter three, verse one, the angel of the church in Sardis, these things says he was the spirits of God in the seven churches, and we've looked at this as, again, the the aspect of God speaking uh, to the churches, his message to the churches. And he says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. So they have this reputation that they're this on-fire group of people, that they're healthy, that everything you would expect Christians to be doing, they're doing, but in reality, they're not. These things are not happening. What would be happening in a a healthy church, or not be happening in an, a church that's dead? I think the first thing is just being a doer of the word, right? I mean, people can have a reputation that it looks like they're a doer of the word, but they're really just a hearer of the word. Remember in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus teaches on this, and in, in verse twenty four to twenty seven. He says this, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, so they're all equally attending church, if you would, maybe sitting side by side, but he does not do them, will be likened to the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was it fall, explanation point. So again, Jesus says there's those who hear the word and, and the fact is, is upon everyone, it's gonna rain and flood and the storms are gonna beat. And then it's gonna be evident. You have two houses side by side, they equally look the same. You know, they equally have the same appearance. But yet, when the winds blow and the floods come, one is just beyond decimated, nothing left. And the other one is just as strong as it was before uh, the storm came. James puts it this way in James chapter 1, verse 22. But he who does the word and is not hearing only deceives himself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in what he does. So who is the one blessed in what he does? It's the one who is again blessed the doer of it, one who's thinking about it, meditating on it, and putting it in to practice. And so I I think the church that appears to be alive, but it's really dead, is not a doer of the word, is one who is a hearer only. I think a church that is dead, but could look alive, again, is is not a praying church. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, it says this concerning good works. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of self together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. As this church, in the last days, the Lord tells us, in particular, you're going to have to give an extra or, exhortation, an extra encouragement to the last day believers, to be doers, to be involved, and you've got to irritate them, <laughs> provoke them, to keep coming, assembling, and, and keep encourage them, to, to be doers, stir them up, to love and good works and again I, I would say one of those good works is prayer in Acts 1 it says this they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication and from that came the church the church was birthed in a prayer meeting not an evangelism time not a worship time the church came into existing in existence into a very long time, several days of prayer. In Luke eighteen eight, it says this Nevertheless when the Son of Man comes will he really find faith on the earth. And what was that? It was talking about his children who are crying out to him day and night in prayer. And here's a great exhortation in first Thessalonians five seventeen. Pray how? <laughs> without ceasing. So I think a church that is dead is a non-praying church, and we need to exhort one another. The other thing is discipleship. It's a very simple thing. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So to go into the world and to tell people about Jesus, and then to help them to become learners, growing in Christ. And I'll tell you what, to lead somebody to Christ, and then to have the joy of taking them through the the you know the Bible. Just hey, let's get together, you know, and read the Bible together. And it's a joyful thing. Maybe you've had that experience if you led somebody to Christ at work and they're all excited and every day they're coming with questions in their Bible and maybe at lunch you're just reading through the Bible or what's that mean? You explain it to them and they're just hungry and you just, for, I don't know, a year or so, you're just taking them through the scripture. That's what God's called us all to. And I trust that all of us have had that experience. But again, I think somebody who's dead has not done that. And this is something all believers are called to. So you need to ask yourself, I've been a Christian for a month. I've been a Christian for 10 years, 20 years. Have you led somebody to Christ and discipled them? Then if not, maybe you have a reputation that you're alive but are really dead. Why? Because this is one of the simplest, clearest commands of Jesus to all of us wherever you are on planet Earth, <laughs> to go into the world and make disciples, followers of Jesus. And of course, to evangelize. Maybe this one should have been for the other one. But again, in Second Timothy 4, Paul telling Pastor Timothy, who was not evangelizing, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who judged the living and the dead and is appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready, in season and out of season convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. I think we're there, guys. But according to their own desires because they have itching um, ears, they heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, even though you're in hard ground, even though you're in very few ears are hearing, <laughs> a lot of ears are mad at you, but very few ears are listening. Nevertheless be watchful in all things that's just being a prayerful spirit watching this goes back to Ezekiel being the watchman on the wall and he said in Ezekiel 3 and a few other places in Ezekiel that if you know that judgment's coming and you tell them then the blood is you're free from the blood of men but if you know that judgment's coming and you don't tell them then the blood's on your hands and so here again be a watchman endure affliction if you share your faith you're going to be brutalized <laughs> people are going to be very angry at you that you're telling them they need to repent and turn to Christ to be saved do the what's it say there the work of an evangelist you say man I've tried to share the Lord it was really hard that's why they call it work <laughs> it doesn't say have the fun of an evangelist it's the work You gotta die a thousand deaths before you open your mouth. You know, you're pumping gas at the gas pump and there's the guy, Pat, and he looks at you and you look at him and you don't say anything and, oh, I don't really have time. Well, it's out of season. That's why it says preach the word in season and out of season. It's out of season. You don't have much time. But you still preach the word. Well, he doesn't look very open. Okay, then again, it's out of season. You're preaching to somebody who doesn't look open. I'll tell you what, Most of the time, the people that are the most receptive are the people that don't look like they would be receptive. It's pretty amazing. I get it wrong about 100% of the time. You don't think you have time. You do have time. The person doesn't look receptive. They are receptive. I mean, you cannot tell what is going to happen until you share. And if they tell you to go to beep, then, you know, kick the dust off your feet and, you know, let the... Keep pumping and go over to the next pump. <laughs> Talk to that guy. You, you know, you, you'll never know until you open your mouth. And so, sometimes you'll be amazed how many people are being called by God's Spirit unto salvation. And they've been just, they're hungering. And as soon as you say it, their spirit bears witness with your spirit and what you just said. And they're like, tell me more. And you're able to share more. And then it says, fulfill your ministry. All our ministry, every one of us has the ministry of evangelism. Guys, I can't tell you enough. There is no greater joy on this planet. And I've had four children, and that was a pretty great joy, at least when they were born. After that, that's another story. But, um, you know, to birth that little child in the world and the joy of having that precious little life. It, it, it's awesome, okay? But I'll tell you what, seeing people born again, and then having a hand and discipling them, and then seeing them a year later or 20 years later, as I can look here tonight, people that I've led to Christ 20 years ago that are here tonight. When I am seeing here at a, our kid's baseball game, Nathan's 25. But my son, when he was five years old, at a baseball game, share the Lord with a lady next to us and she's here tonight. Definitely nowhere near <laughs> a Christian life at all. Quite, quite the opposite, but yet very open and just oh, a beautiful salvation. A hard time crawling out of the world and, and getting on flat ground where she could grow and her kids could grow. But there's no greater joy and so again, I think a, a dead Christian has an appearance of being an evangelist, of being a disciple, of being a person praying without ceasing, but in reality, they're not doing it. And then one more thing is just simple obedience. <laughs> in 1 John 2, verse 3 through 6, it says this, Now this we know, that we know him, if, we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. But this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself to walk just as he walked. So a real simple litmus test. Are you joyfully reading what Jesus said and doing it? It's that simple. Does your heart say, I love Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for my salvation. I'm so thankful that I'm, a, I'm, I'm in God's hand as a tool, it tells us in Second Timothy. I'm a tool in God's hand, and Lord, I want you to use me. I wanna be that tool that's ready for your use. And, and my heart with joy just wants to do whatever Jesus says. If Jesus says to love my enemy, I'm loving my enemy. That's all there is to it. And I joyfully do that. If Jesus tells me to deny myself and take up a cross and follow him, with joy I deny myself, take up the cross and follow him. There's just that, that, that surrender. And it's just a very childlike, simple obedience. And so again, I think that somebody who's truly alive would have that simple obedience. You know, it, it's just amazing when you, when you look at what Jesus tells us to do, how brilliant it is. <laughs> you know, how many people hang on to bitterness and it destroys them? How many people forgive and everybody's telling them, don't forgive, don't for- here's all the reasons you shouldn't forgive. And it's like, Jesus told me to forgive and, and they're, they're free. Yeah, it's not fair, that person took an advantage of him. That evil person won, it appears. But so what? I'm free. And, uh, you know, you look at evangelism, discipleship. You know, if we could put the most anointed person up here on the roof and get a million people to show up every day and 100,000 people came to Christ every day, different people, 365 days a year. Do you know how long it would be until everybody on the planet came to Christ? 100,000 people coming to Christ every day, 365 days a year. It would take 165 years. But yet if you went out and led one person to Christ this year and you discipled them for an entire year and the next year the two of you went out and you shared the Lord, and two people came to Christ, and you spent the whole year discipling those two, and then next year, the four of you went out. You know how long it would take before the entire world comes to Christ and has been discipled for a year? 35 years. Isn't that amazing? That God's God's plan works even mathematically. There's not some big, giant splash you need to make. Just a simple obedience to what God told you to do. And not leading a thousand people to Christ this year, just one person and disciple them. And who knows, maybe you'll lead two people to Christ and disciple two people this year. And it'll get done in 25 years. I mean, it, it's amazing. That, you know, generation, we say it's 40 years. that we lead the entire world to the Lord in one generation and the disciple for a year, just out of simple obedience. And so again, you know, you look at these things and you say, am I a person of prayer? Am I a person of evangelism? Am I a person of discipleship? Am I a person obeying God's word? Am I a person of simple obedience? And if you can't answer yes, heartily to that, maybe like the church in Sardis, you have a reputation you're alive. But God knows your works. He's seen the truth. And he's seen that things are dead. Now why is he saying that? Because he likes to be negative and bash on people? No. He's seen it so we'd wake up. Get some cold water in our face and wake up. And to say, man, I, I need to snap out of this. And I, I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want to be on fire for the Lord. I, I want to be that person that's ready for his return. Well, going on in verse two, he says this. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your words perfect before God. Guys, be watchful. Especially in the last days. For example, in Matthew 24, Verse 40, a verse we looked at last Sunday morning as we took a time to just be encouraged. In Matthew 24, verse 40, it says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour the Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. So he's saying, watch out, wake up spiritually, be ready. So when the rapture of the church comes, you're, you're a, a vessel clean and purified and ready. You're the bride of Christ, ready without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle, ready to be raptured up with the Lord. In Luke 21, verse 34, Jesus says this, But take heed to yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness. And notice this, just the cares of this life. You just let life get you busy and you just spiritually kept putting your your walk with the Lord, second priority, third priority, fourth priority, until it had no priority. And all of a sudden that day come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth Verse 36 of Luke 21 watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the son of man watch pray be ready that you're counted worthy in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 4 through 6 it says this but you brethren are not in darkness, that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're all sons of light, sons of day, were not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So the exhortation of Jesus here is to be watchful. The next thing was to strengthen the things that remain. We just saw last Sunday night, how David strengthened himself in the Lord. In 1 Samuel 30, verse six, remember David had gone over and disobediently lived in the land of the Philistines. He had gone out as a raider and just slaughtering people and he was not right with the Lord and he was called by the Philistine king to come out to fight with Israel and he went out and the general said, we don't want you here, go home. And he went back to Ziglag to find it burnt to the ground. And all his men were just wept until they had no more strength and then they were th- talking about killing David from bringing, bringing him this place and David realized, man, I'm just, you know, the the way of the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. <laughs> the way of the sinful person is a hard life and David was hitting that hard moment and it says in First Samuel 30 verse six, and David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved. Every man for his son sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself. Notice this, in the Lord his God. David had a come to Jesus moment <laughs> where he's just, I can't live without every day being, hearing the voice of God, being submitted to the will of God, living for God, his purposes of God. God, I need to hear your voice. I need to know your plan for today. And David just yielded, submitted humbly Back to the Lord. And that chapter 30, we saw how fruitful David's life immediately was. How he is full of kindness towards strangers and how he is full of love towards his brethren. In Galatians 6, 9, it says this, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if, what? We do not lose heart. We need to strengthen the things that remain. And you know what? to strengthen them, maybe to keep on strengthening them. I did, and then they sort of got weak again. <laughs> I know, we gotta strengthen them, and tomorrow we gotta strengthen them again, and next week we gotta strengthen them again, and next month we gotta strengthen them again, and and guess what? It, it's just every day, every day, every day, every week, every week, and this life, man, it just grinds, doesn't it? You, you know what I'm thankful about? <laughs> As I read in the book of Genesis and so-and-so lived 500 years and so-and-so lived, you know, 800 years and of course Methuselah lived 969 years. Do you guys want to get up that many mornings, go to bed that many nights? Oh, Methuselah, how long have you been struggling with this sleepless problem? Oh, about 580 years. It started hitting me when I was about 400 years old. I had a struggle, you know, falling asleep but it's only been 500 years I've been wrestling with that. Oh, can you imagine that? How many of you guys want to get up and eat eggs and toast, you know? I've been doing that for 700 years. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in my 50s and, you know, I'm on the downhill slide. I'm I'm thankful for that, actually. It's like people are like, man, if you live 20 more years, you know, that's only, man, doesn't that bother you? It's like, no. I'm ready to go home whenever the Lord's ready to take me home. I'm I'm ready for the rapture, man. I'm praying for it hard. But imagine that. Just don't grow weary, guys. Don't grow weary. Whether you're on the earth another 10 days or on the earth another 100 years, you gotta keep running the race. In 2 Thessalonians 3.13, the same thing. But as for you, brethren... Do not grow weary in, this time he says, in doing good. Don't don't stop. I've seen people, they do great for 10 years and then they just fall apart. I've seen people do good for 40 years and just fall apart. Guys, you, 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 if you don't finish the race, you don't get even counted that you ran the race, right? We just had our men's retreat. If you don't finish the second half of the game, it doesn't matter if you won the first half, right? You've got to finish right down to the last second. Eh, game's over and you're ahead. You've got to finish the game. In the same way, we've got to keep doing good. We've got to keep serving. We've got to keep washing feet. And of course, one of the greatest ways to strengthen yourself is Isaiah 40. It actually tells us this. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, he gives power to the weak God. And those who have no might, no strength, he increases strength. Oh, wow, that's me. I have no power right now. I'm totally weak tonight. What's, what's the answer to that? Let's go on. Isaiah 40, verse 30, even you shall faint and be weary. You think these young teenage kids are just never burn out, you know? And they do, they collapse, don't they? And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, another word for prayer, with a heart of saying, Lord, speak to me, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And so again, those who just come to that life of praying without ceasing, and we just talked about that as a a dead church looking alive, vice versa, but here we come back. How do you strengthen yourself? I think one of the clearest keys in the scriptures is prayer. And then he also says, I've not found your works perfect before God. And you say, man, is that possible to have our works perfect Before the Lord? Well, look at James chapter 1, verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2, he says this. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be what? Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. One of the ways is that when we are in trials to rejoice and to say, God, I, I know that you've allowed this difficulty to come. I, I, whatever reason I'm in tribulation right now, whatever reason I'm having these financial problems or these health problems or these marriage problems, or these problems at work or the problems with kids or all the various kind of trials we have, <laughs> I, I know that you've allowed it to happen and to the degree that it's happening. And I just, I just submit to you, I rejoice in you uh, for whatever reason you're allowing this. I, I trust that you got a plan for it. In 2 Peter chapter one, sort of a long passage, here, all the way down to verse 11, verse two, all the way to verse 11. But in 2 Peter chapter one, verse two, it says this. 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's go back one verse. There you go. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which you have given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature. Through these promises of God, we can be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Now, listen to verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue virtue knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control perseverance to perseverance godliness to godliness brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness love and if these things be yours you're an owner of these things you're you're you are added to your faith the diligence and and then our knowledge and knowledge self-control yeah to giving diligence to your faith and then to to, to virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and you're growing in these things. And these are not hit and miss. They're, you're a possessor of them. It says there, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse nine, for he who he lacks these things is short sight even to blindness and for forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that again sounds like a picture of a Christian that God wouldn't say, your works are not perfect before me. One whose works are perfect is one who says, Thank you, Lord, for these precious promises. And I'm grabbing a hold of you as you're grabbing a hold of me. As you are adding into my life, I'm pressing into you, Lord. And thank you for the faith, that gift of faith. And I'm growing in my faith all diligence I I have this virtue you're a holy God and I want to be holy as you're holy and and then you add knowledge of Jesus and and then as you're growing in the knowledge self control and perseverance and, and you're growing until this agape love and this is yours this is something you, every day that's in your life you're not growing weary and well doing you're just these things are yours and you're abounding and you're always fruitful in the things that God has in your life and then Peter says those who's not that's God saying to them, your way is not perfect before me. Why? Because you're not diligently growing in the faith. You didn't. You don't have virtue to have knowledge. You don't have knowledge. You don't have the, the perseverance. There isn't this growing until, and you're, you're hit and miss being fruitful. And where it's heading, it's like you've even forgotten that you're a Christian. You've forgotten that you've been cleansed by the cross of Christ by the blood of Christ by the great sacrifice of, of God giving his son there's not this reverence in your heart for what the Lord has done but man you need to turn that around I, I, Peter says I know I've been called by God before the foundations of the world I'm not sitting around on my theological position <laughs> I'm making my calling and election sure by living this obedient life. So thank you, Lord, that you called me before the foundations of the world and I'm showing that you called me before the foundations of the world by my lifestyle right now. And he says, I'm confident that whoever's living that kind of life can be full of confidence right now that there's a ticker tape parade ready for you in heaven. The Lord's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he's going to step out of the way. You're going to go through the pearly gates, and woo! You know, everybody's going to be blowing the party favors, and you know, all of a sudden, all this glitter is going to be going your way, and and you're going to be going through, and you know, all the angels are going to give you a high five. And there's Abraham, and there's Elijah, and Daniel, and you know, you're just all right. Welcome, you know, well done. We're going to have a beautiful entry. There's a confidence, and that's, that's where we want to live, isn't it? One more passage in First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to 15 on this topic, at least. Actually, last verse. We still got some ground to cover here tonight. But therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You guys ready to just be sober-minded until we see Jesus? till we're caught up in the air to see him face to face, as obedient children, not conforming ourselves to the former lusts as in our ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. There's just that click in your heart that just says, I know who Jesus is. I know what he's called me to. I'm called into his family I'm called into his heart I'm called into his mind I'm called into his church I'm called into his word and however way you dice it or slice it it should taste and look and smell and feel like Jesus right and it's this simple if Jesus wouldn't walk in that way then why are you if Jesus wouldn't talk in that way, then why are you? If Jesus wouldn't live in that way, then why are you? And they're, they're just got to come that place of maturity, where you're not just appearing alive, but you're really alive. And you just right now just strengthen those things that 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 are there to be strengthened. There's there's that a picture of a life, but I'm, I'm gonna actually put reality in it. <laughs> I have a picture that I'm a person of prayer. I'm gonna strengthen, I'm gonna be actually a person of prayer. I, I have this appearance of, of being a person of evangelism. I going to You're gonna see somebody next week Send to church next to me, that led to Christ this week. And I'm gonna take him to the Christian Foundation class with me, or I'm gonna sit out here afterwards and give him a donut and read to the Gospel of John with him. Whatever it is, start doing it, guys. You'll find the power of God. You'll find the fruitfulness there. The life, the reality is awesome. Appear that way, it's not awesome. That's drudgery. (laughs) To try to appear that you have life when you really don't, that's, that's bondage. Well, in Revelation chapter three, verse three, remember therefore how you have what? Received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you'll not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I come upon you. So how did you receive and hear? In Colossians chapter two, verse six and seven, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Guys, it doesn't get more complicated than how you came to Christ. How did you come to Christ? Somebody shared the word with you and you read it and you're going, you're kidding. If I confess my sin, Jesus will be faithful and righteous to forgive me of my sin. Gosh, I'm a sinner. I want that. Just pray with me right now. Jesus, I believe your word. Boom. It happened. That weight just left you. And the joy of being free. I confess my sin and i he's faithfully righteous. He did it. He cleansed me. I'm cleansed right now. And I have a desire now to seek God and to grow in God. And here's a Bible. Read it and do what it says. And that was it you read the bible all week and you showed up to church with them and you listen to the songs and oh this is wonderful they're all about jesus and i love him so much and and oh man they're just teaching verse by verse of the bible and man what they're saying and what it says and i'm gonna just do that and and that's it now here you are 10 years later as a christian and it's all complicated to you it's all foggy it's you know it's all these other things and you know what it's your lukewarmness it's your carnality. It's it's having the appearance of being alive but being dead. That's making it hard for you. That's making it cloudy and complicated for you. You, you know what? If we're all on fire for the Lord, it just everything flows. You know, in the Jesus movement at Costa Mesa. There's sanctuary seats, I think, a little under three thousand. But there were so many people coming to church. At first, you had to get there half an hour early. Then an hour early. You had to get there a couple hours early if you wanted a seat anywhere in the sanctuary. Well, what happened when everybody came a couple hours early? Well, one, they're on time. (laughs) Number two, they're fellowshipping. Everybody brings their guitars and they're sitting around worship and other people are learning how to lead worship and learn how to play the guitar and everybody else is sharing, hey, let me show what the Lord shared with me this week and oh, let me show you what the Lord, you know, a fellowship happens. So what happens? You've got fellowship. You've got people on time. And let me tell you, after two hours of sitting around waiting for church to start, when church started, guess what? <laughs> people were more than enthusiastic worship is like oh man when uh, I'm just want to worship with all my heart because I'm tired of waiting I've been waiting two hours two is just I've just it's like been building building you know remember that commercial with the ketchup anticipation and you're waiting 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 and finally the ketchup comes out you're like oh, the ketchup tastes a whole lot better when you had to wait for a few minutes for it to come out so there's just that anticipation and worship happens so all of these things you know all the carnal aspects of man Fellowship. Pray for each other. Share what God shared with you in the words with each other. Be on time. Let's be just fully engaged into worship. All of of the things that make church good, make gathering together good, all the things that build us up when we come together good, they all get solved when people are just on fire for the Lord. Healthy Christians. You don't have to say, "Please, guys, come on time," and "Please, guys, let's all lift our hands." Come on, come on! I know you're, you know, let's all lift our hands. Let's all clap. You know, it's not. Please, I know everybody wants to sit in the last row. Please come up front. You know, all of those things are solved when people are just healthy, on fire for the Lord. And and here again, you're looking at each of these churches, and and they're just dragging. Man, I, I look at these churches going, man, I, I do not want to be a pastor of Sardis. <laughs> I don't want to be the pastor of Church of Ephesus. Ephesus. I definitely didn't want to be the Church of Thyatira. Man, these are, these are tough places, but in reality, we are. I, I am, to some degree. I think there's aspects of all these churches. Last week, the Church of Thyatira the, the the doctrine of Jezebel. All those people aren't here tonight. They got convicted and said, ah, "That knife was too sharp." You know. Wh- whatever it is, people get cut and they, they got their choice: either repent, keep coming, or ah, it's too. That knife is too sharp. I need to go somewhere where there's a butter knife from the pulpit, not a not a sharp knife. Carlos preached last week on tire I don't know. Did he preach the word last week? Yeah, I know he did. He's, he's fantastic. But again here, we, we come back to this issue each time. How did you receive it? I guarantee you, you received it simply. You received it in faith. You received it obediently. As you received the word the day you came to Christ, do it right now. It's no, it's never more complicated than that, guys. You just daily come to Jesus and Lord, speak to my life, speak to my heart, read the word and meditate on it and God will speak to you and obey it. That's it, guys. That's it. Well, why are we here tonight? Well, the Bible says don't forsake together and gather unto the brethren. The Bible says there's a blessing hearing the word of, from Revelation and, and studying it. There's a lot of reasons we're here tonight, but hopefully just to love Jesus and and to bless Jesus. And then what does he say? Hold fast and repent. Man, Satan is doing everything he can to loosen your grip. Boy, you go through the book of Hebrews, he says, don't let go of the good confession. Don't let go of the confession. Hold on to the confession you've made. Jesus is Lord. And guys, we have heard this so many times, haven't we? Repent. If you don't, it's just pride. I'll, I'm not going to repent, but I'll tell God, you know, yeah, I could do better. Yeah, you know, I'll start trying a little harder. You know, guys, just repent. God, I have been a sinner. God, I've been living for myself. I've been living for my own desires. It shows up in the checkbook. <laughs> I'm not putting you first and it shows up in my daily schedule not putting you first it shows up look at my Bible (laughs) it's still you know the the marker's still there from 2009 when I last read it there's the little thing you know there's my note 2009 uh, the Lord spoke to me you know it's guys just repent and start doing those things that you know the Lord would have you to do. But again, here's the cutting edge. If you don't, he basically uses the words of people being left behind in the rapture. If you don't, he says there in verse three, therefore you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you'll not know the hour that I come upon you. This is clear terminology of Jesus coming and rapturing the church as a thief in the night. In First Thessalonians Chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Listen to this. It couldn't be clearer. And again, he's writing to the church of Thessalonica here. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as what? A thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So he's telling the Christians in Thessalonica, you know what? It should never happen. You guys right now that I'm writing to, you should never be those left behind. But it's a possibility. In verse five five there, of Thessalonians chapter five, verse five, you are all sons of the light, sons of the day, We're not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath. And that's what the seven year tribulation period is a time of God's judgment on the earth. We're not to be here, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or asleep, dead or alive, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other, edify one another, just as you're also doing. You know, it's one of the most comforting things for me, just knowing, the Lord could come back today, and I'm ready. I can remember as a teenager, not being ready. I remember one of my friends had sort of the classic thing. He was in the garage and he was actually working on some wood tools and, and his mom came out and said, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. And she had the radio on listening to some music and um, she actually had some, I think some cookies in the oven and, or a roast in the oven or whatever. And, and, uh, and he comes in the house and nobody was there. His dad, it was on a Saturday, his dad went somewhere, his mom was, and he's like, mom, dad, you know? And, you know, the radio's playing and the oven's on. He's like, oh, you know, where are you? you know, and he just, he knew he wasn't right with the Lord and he just dropped to his knees. Oh, God, please, please take me too, you know? And his mom comes walking in the door. What's going on, Phil? It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, well, I need to tell you, mom, I'm just not ready if the Lord were to come back. And it was a, a moment where he just, he said, I can't I can't live with this weight of not knowing if I'm ready, I know I'm not ready. And just repented of some things. And so, you know, we don't want to live there, do we? We just want to live to that place where of the day. We're not of the night. We've got fully our salvation on, we're ready. Another important verse is Romans chapter thirteen, verse eleven through fourteen. And do this, knowing the time, that now is the high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It's nearer every single day, isn't it? The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in rivalry, drunkenness, not in lewdness, lust, not in strife and envy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let's let's just shake off the things of the night. Let's shake off all the opportunities of sin and let's just set ourselves up as holy, righteous vessels living without compromise for Jesus so when the rapture comes, we with joy are snatched away, ready for an abundant entry, right? Well, in verse four, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. Interesting, in Thyatira, you just had a few names that weren't right with the Lord. But here in Sardis, you have just a few names that are right with the Lord. And those few names that are right with the Lord, um, he says, they're gonna walk with me in white, or <laughs> white robes of righteousness, and they are worthy. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord accounts us worthy. The mindset Paul tells us about in the last days is First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 29 to 32. He says this. But I say, brethren, the time is short so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they did not possess. Those who use this world as not misusing it for the the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. I want you to be freed up in these last days. The Lord's coming. And and yes, even though we're going through the motions and whatever your job is and taking care of the family and, and all of this, again, one of the things we saw Jesus warns us about, it's not just carousing and drunkenness, but the cares of this life. We're so busy with the marriage, so busy with the family, so busy with the work, so busy with the garden, <laughs> or so busy with the sports, or whatever it is, we're doing, Getting this earth stuff, we're so wrapped up into it that we're missing the battle of not realizing we gotta fight the good fight, especially in these last days. And then in verse five, an interesting verse, guys, Revelation three five says this He who therefore who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but will confess his name before my father and before. His angels. Interesting. He's wanting to comfort us here. This is a verse of assurance. Guys, those who are overcoming, not only in heaven are you going to be walking in white, but your name is going to be in the book of life. Guys, understand how important this is. In Revelation 20, verse 12, listen to how important this is. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So on the day of judgment... He's saying this is real and this is going to be read and this is very important. And in Revelation 20 verse 15, listen to what this says. And anyone not written in the book of life was what? Cast in the lake of fire. 100% of people who are going to be in heaven are going to previously, before they go to heaven, have their name in the book of life. But those people's names who are not in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, this is when the apostles came back and they had a real victorious time. And one thing they did, they, hadn't, they saw Jesus do, but they hadn't done it, was cast out Demons. And they were excited about this. And they were going, wow, this is amazing. We even cast out demons. And, and Jesus said this then to them in Luke 10, 20. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know, the things that should really cause you joy, it's not that you had power over Satan. We're going to forget about that guy. But something you're going to think about for eternity is that your names are written and now we know it more specifically in the book called the book of life. Now guys, you, you, you want to know how important this issue of the name being blotted out of the book of life is? It's mentioned five times in the Bible. The possibility of your name being blotted out. In Exodus thirty-two, thirty-two. this is when they had made the golden calf and The people didn't want to repent, only the tribe of Levi did. And and Moses had said to the Lord, yet now if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. So Moses knew about that. And in verse 33, the second time mentioned, the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. So yeah, you know what? I do blot people out. I'm not going to blot out whoever you tell me to blot out, Moses. Um, I'm not under your control, who's in the book of life, who's not. But yes, there are people that sin, and their sin comes to the point where I blot their name out. In Psalm 69, verse 28, again, David writing, by the Holy Spirit, this isn't David's opinion, all scripture is written by God, written by the Spirit of God, let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. So here again um, he's saying have their name blotted out and not ever written back in again. And here's the fourth time in Revelation three five we just read tonight in the verse we covered tonight. He who is overcome shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. And then the fifth time is Revelation twenty two nineteen. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life and the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So again, he's saying that those who have overcome, those who are not just saying they're alive but are really alive and they're walking in obedience to God, one of the most joyful things we have is the assurance that our name is not going to be blotted out. But those who are not walking in obedience, not only do they have many other fears and many other difficulties from not walking obediently, God will not be mocked. Whatever man sows, he'll also reap. They have that whole complicated hardship. The way of the transgressor is hard. There's so many difficult earth things from living a sinful life, not living an obedient life not abiding in Christ, you're not bearing fruit, but you're also bearing bad fruit and all of those difficulties. But on top of that, there's the point of no return where a person comes to the point where God blots your name out of the book of life. And, you know, Chuck Smith tells a story about a guy by the name of Charles Templeton and he's a guy that Chuck had actually seen. He was an evangelist with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ and also the Billy, or excuse me, Youth for Christ and also with, with uh, Billy Graham Crusade. And he spoke and evangelized and he saw thousands of people. Chuck, Chuck Smith talks about driving hours and hours and hours to hear Charles Templ- Templeton speak. That's how great of a speaker he was. Felt he was greater uh, than, than much greater than even than Billy Graham. But Charles Templeton, something happened, and he just in an instant became an atheist. And he wrote a book basically saying why he was an atheist. And he said now his mission was to save people from believing in God, and did everything he could to evangelize people to come away from believing in Jesus, and spent his life doing that and died. Confessing that he was an atheist and regretted that that he led anybody to Jesus. And it's a heavy story. It's a hard story. And, you know, the the question comes up then, you know, are you saying, Brian, that we can lose our salvation? The answer to that is no. No. I do not believe we can lose our salvation. Well, why do you believe that? Well, because the Bible tells us that. In John chapter six, verse 39, it says this. This is the will of the father who sent me that all he has given me, I should what? Lose how many? (laughs) Nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. Listen to John 10, verse 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given to me is greater than all. And how many people? No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. It's very clear, you know, you you wake up in a morning going, I don't know exactly what I said or did yesterday, but I think I lost my salvation. I just sort of feel that I'm not saved. I go look in the mirror. Oh, the Holy Spirit's gone. What happened? Lord, please help me. Explain to me what happened. How did I lose myself? You know, it's never gonna happen that way, guys. But if you ask me the question, do you think somebody can throw away their salvation? I I say, yeah. We we are full, free-willed individuals. And I do think the Bible makes it clear that we can throw away our salvation. In um, Hebrews chapter three, as we end here tonight, we're gonna pick this up next week and and look at this situation um, in, in detail, okay? But in Hebrews chapter three, verse 12 to 14, it says this. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of what? Unbelief in departing from the living God. So he calls them brethren. Beware, brethren. Any of you brethren end up with an evil heart? And you brethren... Depart from the living God. Now, how does this happen? He says, exhort one another daily while it's called day, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Listen to this. Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And in verse 14, for we have, been, we have become partakers of Christ if, does your Bibles all have if there? If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, encourage one another why it's called today. Because some of you might be on the verge today. It's been building, maybe over hours, maybe over days, maybe over weeks, maybe over years. But you're now at the, par- the point where you're hardened because of sin. And you're deceived. You, you fully believe, like Charles Templeton, there is no God, or you fully believe it's like God doesn't care that I do that anymore. You know, we're all trying to be holy, and God doesn't care if you commit adultery. We're all trying to be holy and righteous. I know what the Bible says, but you know, He doesn't care about homosexuality. God doesn't care about fornication. God doesn't care if I take drugs. And you're deceived and your heart's heart. Hardened, your heart is hardened and you depart from the living God. As we go on in Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, it says that after a person has known God and tasted of the heavenly gifts and makes that departure, there is no way back. To salvation, and then in Hebrews 12 he says Esau repented and sought for it with tears but there was no repentance there was no place for him to return so chapter 6 and chapter 10 and chapter 12 of Hebrews builds up and, and does describe if you would somebody whose name's been blotted out of the book of life and there isn't a way back and so again can we lose our salvation no <laughs> we're going to talk more about that next week but can somebody throw away their salvation, walk away from God? We Every day we have a complete free will, just like Adam and Eve, <laughs> to eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil or to eat of the tree of life. Every day we have the full spectrum of choice. When we became Christians, God didn't take our spectrum of choice away. Now you can walk as a good Christian, a really good Christian, or a fantastic Christian. There's your three choices. No, our choice is every day. We can fully disobey God or we can fully obey God. Every day. And if we make that choice to disobey God and continue disobeying God, we're eventually gonna be deceived by this sin, hardened to this sin, and we are gonna depart from the living God. It's a possibility. And this is why the Bible tells us over and over again, the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom is What? To fear God. And he goes on in Proverbs to say, to fear God is to depart from evil. And so we're gonna pick up there next week. And Lord, we thank you for your word and just ask as we're here tonight that you, Lord, are speaking to us, that you are screaming out to us to wake up spiritually because you love us, because you're calling us to yourself. And if you're here tonight and you're saying, man, God's Spirit is speaking to me tonight. And the Bible says why it's called today. Don't wait for tomorrow. If you're in that place where you're dabbling in sin and you're now living in sin and that sin is beginning to deceive you, you're starting to think good is evil and evil is good. And man, my sin is no big deal. I don't think God even cares about that anymore. I know I used to think, man, that's a big, horrible sin. And now I don't think it's sin at all. You're being deceived, guys. And if that's you right now, cry out in your heart, God, help me. God, I, I, my heart's numb. It's hard. It's, it's, it doesn't feel anymore. Your two-edged sword's stabbing me and I feel nothing. Lord, I'm crying out to you right now. I don't want to be dead. When you stab a dead man, it doesn't matter. He doesn't flinch. It doesn't hurt him. I don't want to be dead. I want to be alive. Lord, please, Lord, forgive my sin. I'm turning from it. Even if just out of the knowledge of your word, even though I don't feel it, I'm gonna beat my body in subjection and take up the cross and follow you. Lord, take my life now and please heal it. I wanna be ready at your return. And I know that it's very, very soon. Lord, please, Lord, excite our hearts and cause our hearts, Lord, to to be full of love and, full of on fireness for you as we once were and bring us back to that place where we need to be. Remember and repent of and our first love and do those things and, and what, how we heard, how we received the word. We would do that again to come back and be the simple Christian, the simple obedience and follow you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for washing us your word in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. And before you go, ask people around you, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? What can I pray for you for? And, uh, and speak into one another's lives. Have a wonderful evening in Jesus. Bye bye. Thank you, Lord.